I said nothing specific. I, I would never betray doctor-patient confidentiality. Doctor? Need I remind you, you got your PhD from a curse. Welcome to Storybroke! Miserably Ever After. I am renaming this episode to Everybody Poofs Mads. And I'm your friend who just can't hang, Elaine. <laughs> oh my goodness. This was this was an interesting episode. Yeah. I I I there's a lot I, I was saying before we started recording, there's a lot to loathe here. And I feel like a lot of that loathing was intentional. So mm-hmm. because of that. I enjoyed this episode, which makes no sense considering how much I disliked last the last episode. I hate how dirty they do Regina during this. I do too. But like I said, that's intentional because it sets up the next arc. Uh-huh. So while I hate it, I'm like, okay, I see what you're doing. And the fact that I can see what you're doing and that Emma still doesn't buy it, I get it. She buys it, but she still doesn't buy it. And she's mad at herself that she buys it. This is also, oh, absolutely. This episode also has a small content advisory warning. We do talk about (gasps) S-E-X in the episode. (gasps) I know. They even show it on screen, kind of, sort of. Considering what you tweeted about my, what I think of certain words last week, I don't see that we need a content warning for that. No, absolutely not. I'm being facetious. (laughs) Still don't Uh, think it's a dirty word. I won't it's say been it. 18 Just... years since Snow has pegged her husband. <laughs> 28 years. 28, Jeez. not 18. 28. Jeez. Oh, my goodness. Also, at least we have a lot of good looks to talk about. There are so many good looks. There's not a bad look for Enchanted Forest Regina in this whole episode. And it's been no. a while. It's been a while since we've been able to talk about our, our hashtag best dressed of the, the whole show. I think she turned out with like five good looks this episode. I wrote down like, for three. Real. I wrote down three specific ones, mm-hmm. but yeah, everything she wore was just good. Yay! Yeah. Awesome. So should we uh, should we get the summary part out of the way so we can dive into the episode? Sounds good. Here's the not so basic plot. Once upon a time, the good guy gang captured the evil queen by neutralizing her magic with the help of the blue fairy. It was decided that she did not have the capacity to change her evil ways, so despite Snow White's discomfort with the verdict, she was sentenced to death. Regina's father begged her to express regret for her crimes, hoping she'd be spared. But when the time came, she proudly proclaimed that her only regrets were not killing Snow White and not causing more pain, suffering, and death. Just as the arrows were loosed, Snow called off the execution with the help of the Blue Fairy again. Not knowing how to proceed, but still wanting to give the good inside Regina a chance, Snow White accepted a surprise offer from Rumpelstiltskin, who suddenly wanted to see Regina live. She went to Regina and set her free in the hopes that she'd choose to turn over a new leaf. Unfortunately, Regina turned on her immediately. Snow White pulled out a dagger to defend herself, but Regina quickly disarmed her and used the dagger against her, stabbing her in the gut. But instead of killing Snow White, her use of the dagger cast a protection spell. Regina would never be able to harm Snow White or Prince Charming in this land. Regina had failed the test that Snow White so wished she'd have passed. Snow White declared 
them even and banished her from their kingdom. On the day of Snow White and Prince Charming's wedding, Rumpelstiltskin paid Regina a visit to point out the loophole in his deal with the Charmings. She can't harm them in this land. Her hope of vengeance renewed, Regina hopped into a carriage to crash a royal wedding and taunt people. Hey, poof. (laughs) In the present storybook, Snow and Emma are guests of honor at a welcome back party. The whole crew is surprised when Regina walks in with a lasagna for the potluck. Feathers are ruffled by her presence, but Emma convinces everyone to stand down and let her stay, you know, since she saved their lives and all. Feeling like an outsider, Regina ducks out quietly, only to be stopped by Emma asking her to stay for cake. Regina declines and thanks her for the invitation and asks if she can see Henry more often. Emma turns her down, saying that she invited Regina for Henry, who believes she's trying to be better, but doesn't think it'd be safe for him to stay in his old house, even though Dr. Hopper vouches for her too. That puts Regina on the defensive, because that was supposed to be private, Archie. It's not a great conversation. Bad vibes, hurt feelings all around. The next day, Ruby witnesses Regina confronting Archie about his lack of confidentiality. Later that night, while Ruby is closing up the diner, she sees Regina, who is actually Cora in disguise, head up to pay Dr. Hopper a visit. While transfigured, she kills him in front of Pongo. When Pongo goes for help, all clues point to Regina. When Emma notices Regina's blatant shock upon hearing about Archie's death, she trusts her superpower, telling her that Regina is innocent. When all of the obvious evidence still points to Regina, they confront Gold, who usually does things to thwart Regina. He helps Emma use her own powers to see Pongo's memories with the help of a dreamcatcher. As Pongo saw Korra in disguise as Regina, the savior relents and they go to arrest Regina after all. It doesn't go well. Regina can't convince anyone that she's innocent and trying to be a better person, and Emma promises to tell Henry what she's done. There's yelling about who is and who isn't anyone's son. It's a whole mess. Meanwhile, Korra happily watches her daughter reach her breaking point so she can swoop in and save the day. Mom of the year, her. And since there's there, and since there's magic in this town, after all, Hook has had to play the waiting game while Cora scrounged up some information on how to get his revenge, among other knowledge, in the form of a very alive and captive Dr. Archie Hopper. I want to say that uh, it has been a while since I have written a summary completely from memory immediately after watching an episode, and I think it shows. <laughs> it's fine. There's some, there's some weird grammatical stuff, but I think it feels more organic. So Yeah, yeah. I, I just forgot. You know, I was typing on my phone, so there were no commas. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there were a few months where I was like, oh, I got to retake that. Um <laughs> Because of the lack of commas that I noticed as you were reading. And I was cringing and fussing at my iPhone. My iPhone, which, by the way, likes to autocorrect things unnecessarily. Like whenever I type the word and, it corrects it to abs. Why would I be talking about abs so frequently, iPhone? You've seen me. It's seen seen the the, uh, suspicious Instagrams you follow. They're all drag queens. (laughs) Fair. (laughs) <laughs> uh so let's 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 get this out of the way right off the bat um who did cora actually kill i don't know i don't know unless she like dove back not dove back and magically uh retrieved uh willie from stardew who she turned into a fish and decided to kill him after all all i know <laughs> is that no one in the town seems to be upset about that missing person 
yeah, whoever this person she killed was, it is never mentioned again. It is addressed. It is addressed at the very end by Hook. Hook says, uh, so if Dr. Harper's here, who did you actually kill and disguise as Dr. Hopper? And she's like, how would I know? I just got here. And that's literally it. That's the explanation. <laughs> I went and looked to see if, you know, like, is this person actually mentioned ever again? Nope. This question has popped up on so many different forums, on so many different message boards. Who did kill? Who did Cora kill in 2 by 10 Who did Cora kill in this episode? Hey, in the cricket game, who did Cora kill? Nobody knows. <gasps> Off camera, nobody. Also, no one shall mourn him. <laughs> This is uh this is uh not plot related, so I wanted to get this out of the way early. This is the episode where everyone unlocks teleportation. Yeah. Everyone's so, so fast. We haven't seen anyone teleport really much before on this show. Like we've seen it a handful of times. We've seen it, the original episode, poof. Yeah. This episode, Cora poofs on the dock. Uh Regina poofs. I think <laughs> Rumpelstiltskin definitely poofs. poofs. Yeah, everybody poofs. Everybody with magic except Emma poofs. Everyone with magic except Emma poofs. I mean, the blue does fairy. Emma... Does the blue fairy oh, yeah. poof? Not in this episode. Not in this episode, but we've seen her poof. I mean, she does... flies. She prefers to fly. I actually have never finished the series at this point, so I wonder if Emma ever poofs. She does later under different circumstances. What color is Emma's poof smoke? I don't remember because I didn't enjoy that plot line. Mm, everyone has which, their own poof smoke. Yes. You know which one I'm talking about. It sounds a lot like I'm saying poop smoke. Which poop smoke. Poop Gross. smoke. Good. Yeah. So uh, Cora's a bad mother. Cora's not a bad mother. She's Cora's a, bad a terrible mother. mother. She is <laughs> literally the worst. Uh, the worst kind of parent. Um, just Narcissistic and thinks on. she... Yeah. Full narcissistic and thinks she's doing what's best for her daughter, um, which is probably the most dangerous, one of the most dangerous types of parents other than, you know, full on, obviously abusive hates their children. Yeah, just just I mm, I don't know how she could be worse than she is. Uh, actively trying to kill her daughter. Well, she's done that before. <laughs> Very briefly, she changed her know. mind. Just We're, just starting, sweet words. <laughs> We're just yeah. starting the second arc of the season, so we'll see. <sighs> Speaking of parents, uh, we, we get to see Papa Henry pop up. Papa Henry, who shows up to plead with Regina whenever she's in her very generous cell. And I just want to restate my previous claim from last week. Papa Henry deserved better from his daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Because here is her parent who won't try to poof her who only wants best for her, not how it will benefit him, other than that she's still around and alive. Yeah. And he's the one that she's going to sacrifice for the curse. And he actually genuinely tries yeah. to understand her. But I yeah. mean, the curse requires the heart of the thing you love most. And so it's very clear that, I mean, this is the parent that she is. Yeah, he deserved better. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. He deserved better. Yeah. Uh, it's unfortunate. I'm still mad about it. And that's the thing that it makes it very hard for me to be team Regina. But mm -hmm. just, just to point out the way that the, she is written, the way that you can obviously see her trying to finally accept responsibility for her past and become a better person. That does 
for this brief period, make me Team Regina. It's going to stop again in a couple of episodes, maybe the next one. <laughs> um, but I do want, she is trying hard and everyone is just not giving her, and I get it. I get why they're not giving her a chance. I get it. She has fooled people before, but I'm still pretty bummed for her this whole episode. And it's well, that part's well written. Well, and it's it's David. It's it's charming. He is always the most gung ho to just get rid of Regina. He's he's very protective. Mm-hmm. And I I like I said, I can't necessarily fault him because it's not just that he's been going after her wife. He's been killing she's been killing his people too. Like his villagers and terrorizing all the people in all the kingdoms around and I'm assuming that he's they've got two kingdoms to worry about right now probably just the one they they went to get snow white's back i'm very confused by that whole dynamic hey Um, remember that time that regina kissed him when he was under a curse that was weird she wanted him to help her with her special lasagna oh yeah yeah do you think he remembers that i don't know maybe that's hella awkward (laughs) i mean uh, there other awkward things have happened since then Oh, I mean, yeah. r- remember, he was also having sex with another woman who he believed was his wife while under the curse. So they've got mm-hmm. a lot. They've got a lot of stuff they need to talk to Archie about. Oh, oh, <laughs> rest in peace, but not really. But rest in peace. <laughs> rest in peace, random guy. You will be missed. But not really by anyone other than us, the watchers, mm-hmm. the viewers. No one in town cares. Yeah. No one in town uh, no one in town ever brings it up again. It never comes up again. Not random serial killer on the loose. And it's only one death. I don't even think it it, it would be a disappearance, comes up again right? when this plot resolves. Like when yeah, when like they're obviously gonna find Dr. Hopper again, obviously. Um yeah. so they're gonna be like, Oh, but we saw your dead body. And they're just gonna be like, mm, magic. Uh, yeah, it's <laughs> that'll be off screen. We'll worry about that off screen. Oh my goodness. <sighs> I, I just, love I, I uh, go for it. I love every outfit that Regina wears this episode. Yes. Even when she's not Regina, the boots that Cora Gina wears. <laughs> Those I boots, love, I'm like, damn. I really I have to give shout out to her battle her battle armor outfit with her scale mail that's just long enough to cover like her her clavicle, but short enough to show cleavage. Honestly, an icon. <laughs> Like, for real. I think my favorite look this episode from Regina is either her um, showing up at the party in her, like, modern day, like, simple outfit. I love that, like, red silk material. Um, Classic mayor look. Yeah, it it looks really good. It's very chic. Mm -hmm. Um, Or her sulking dress from the end of the episode. Like the the exile gown? That's what I'm calling it, the exile gown. I adore that exile gown with its sequin broad shoulders and like its corset corset low back. Oh God, that that back, that wholly open back with the high collar in the front. Oh my God, it's so good. It's so like conservative, but flashy from the front. And then like my sister's prom dress from the back. It's so good. (laughs) So good. It's extremely good. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I was out loud. I did notice something interesting um, because immediately after that scene, we cut to a scene with Cora and I can't help but notice that Cora's dress in this whole episode is the same color as uh, Regina's exile dress, which may just mm-hmm. be a coincidence, but it's got the appliques and the sequins. And yeah, so I, yeah. 
they I do like that a lot uh, with Cora and Regina. You know, Regina's outfits, she does wear, uh, in addition to the black, she wears lots of deep blues, occasionally like a full cobalt. She wears teals and greens here and oh, there. Oh, and burgundies, mm, mm-hmm. wine colors. But like for the most part, as the evil queen, she sticks to blues, greens, and, and black. And they'll show Cora, and Cora normally is wearing blues, greens, and black. Yeah. Uh, except as the Queen of Hearts when she's wearing red. That's because, as we all know, jewel tones are the most beautiful and the most evil of clothing tones. It's true. It's true. Oh, my goodness. I I don't know what to say about this episode this week. Uh, this plot had me frustrated. I was supposed to. I know. I know it's supposed and, to. And it's not. That doesn't mean I'm giving this episode a five because, spoiler, I'm not. But. <laughs> <laughs> it also made me it, it made me hurt for Regina and it made me hurt yes. for Emma because like, yeah because yeah. Emma has just started trusting herself again because she just got back from the Enchanted Forest in which she couldn't trust any of her instincts and so here she is back on her own territory uh, back on normal soil she's the sheriff she should have a say in who does what and she's just constantly being doubted by the two people that are supposed to love her and support her most because Mm -hmm. they are in a difficult situation because they've been here before. And on top of that, I think that Emma also, now that she's back, she's thinking a lot of the Emma that she used to be before she came from, came to Storybrooke. And she explicitly mentions, you know, Mm -hmm. I wasn't a great person before I came here. So I think a lot of Regina's redemption from Emma's perspective, is also about Emma. Yeah, Emma I could wants change. to believe Regina can change because yeah. she wants to believe that she can change. Yes. Because I don't think Emma believes that she's changed yeah. at and this Snow, stage. Snow wanted so hard. She wanted so hard to believe that Regina could change. Yeah. But that ship sailed uh, in this episode. We saw where she was like, you ever do this again, I will actually kill you. Whenever she saved her life and then put the protection protection spell on her. Well, I feel that Snow might be of two minds about it. I, I think when, when she's in the interrogation room and she's watching the interrogation happen, she, she seems very conflicted. Yes. And, I mean, we've established Snow has a lot more emotional intelligence than her husband or daughter. <laughs> <laughs> And it's by, one of, by a broad margin. And it's one of those times we actually get to see Emma's superpower pop up and not play, you know, and she doesn't immediately doubt her own superpower to play sides. She play favorites. Um, she watches, like, whenever David is spilling the beans about what just happened to Archie, she intently, like, stares Regina down to see how she reacts to it. Is very yeah. conscious to pay attention to everything she does. Because that's the one thing she's got going for her. That's been her superpower this whole time. Absolutely. And s- um, I don't remember if she even mentioned superpower in this she episode. Doesn't. She just talks about, you know, I just watched her and I felt her and it it felt <laughs> honest. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And they, she may have dropped the superpower thing now that she's actually generated real magic. Fair. I, I'm enjoying her growing into her magic powers in the mm-hmm. show. Uh, it makes me super happy. It's a little, the dream catcher being part of it was a little mm, for me. Oh my God, the appropriation. Oh, and they set the dream catcher up in a previous episode um, it's, whenever she was re- with young Neil. It's a recurring thing. I know it it's going to come back again and it again and again. Back. And it's like, you, you have all this 
uh, fantasy stuff you could rely on. You don't have to take from, you know, indigenous cultures. But, yeah. you know, it's they, they're going to do what they're going to do. Well, in Mary Martin's Peter Pan, Tiger Lily was blonde. She was played by a white blonde lady. Yeah. Yeah. That's some good audio for y'all. <laughs> <sighs> Speaking yeah. of things that are rough this week, Snow White's wig. <laughs> and Cora's ponytail. Like her hair slicked in the front and like poofed just enough in her, her prison gown. Fine. But they backlight her ponytail when she's in her prison cell. And I'm like, oh, that's fake hair. I'm just like, what did, 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 did our sweet cinnamon roll, Jennifer Goodwin, like say something homophobic to make the hairdresser do this to her? Like what happened? They they must've been in a real hurry for a costume change and they just pulled it all over her head as fast as they could. Cause it's like, it's must up. And it's like, these are the scenes where she's supposed to be, you know, she's becoming the queen at this point. She's about to marry Prince Charming. They're about to, be in charge of the kingdom. And this is the hair that we're giving her. It feels, well, she's feels a little, bad, man. She's a little stressed out. So that's I mean, all I know. Yeah. She's a little she, stressed out. She is having to hang out at the execution of her stepmother, which. Who killed her father. Who killed her father. And um, yeah. 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 And I know she's Snow White. But, but who maybe, also saved her life. Yeah. And and again, uh, I just want to say, like, I know that she's Snow White, but white for an execution? <laughs> well, look, Charming didn't even take his uh, his suit of armor off. They haven't had a chance to go home and take a proper nap since this verdict. Maybe if they had gotten some sleep, they'd have given her more time and not jumped to conclusions. This this armor is good for him. This this armor looks good on screen. Yeah. The fur on it, I like it. Oh yeah, his fur. His the, the he wears fur well. Fur is still good. He wears fur well. It works out. Yeah. Oh so my God. Snow sees the good in Regina. Should she? Yes. yes. Um, I think that Snow seeing the good in Regina is a part of who Snow is as yes. a person. I agree. I like. I feel that in this season, that's a major point that we're going to be hitting on snow believing people are capable of being redeemed snow yeah. believing there is goodness in people is a part of who she is oh you're right that's gonna and play a big part <laughs> when she stops believing in that that is devastating for her yeah and for the arc of her character yes yes um, it's it's okay for all the other good guys to kill but snow takes it to heart absolutely yeah, I mean, Charming is like bloodthirsty any chance he gets. Because, I mean, <laughs> you have to have one of the characters be the one who's going to be like, no, we got to do the killing. And uh, we don't always have Grumpy and oh. Granny on hand. Yeah, <laughs> uh, at the at the diner in this episode, when Regina walked in, the first thing Grumpy did was pull a knife out of a knife block on the diner uh, bar. I live. Also, this is the first episode of the season where we saw Grumpy in the past, Granny in the past. Um, we kind of, I, th- I think that was done for the supporting characters mm-hmm. while we had our main cast kind of trapped in the, the, the enchanted forest. Yeah. I, I think we kind of refrained from having as many supporting cast characters show up to keep it clear for the audience. It was but confusing enough. All, yeah. Yeah. Now that we're all back in our world, we can, we can start back. to show them again. It's, it's we can nice flash to see them back. back. 
I like the flashbacks. I do. I I enjoy the flashbacks. Oh, Um, absolutely. And this one didn't like this flashback didn't feel contrived. No, I, I enjoyed this whole flashback storyline. Yeah. Um, it, it wasn't super clear when it happened, but it served the purpose of like building up the episode, building Mm -hmm. up whether or not Regina is a character capable of redemption Mm -hmm. and what the circumstances need to be for her to want redemption. I, I do enjoy that they just took care of King George's army completely off camera. Mm-hmm. It was just mentioned in passing that King George, King George and his army have been defeated um, and that Regina's men want to pull back and retreat as well. But she says, right. she says something to the effect of, I don't care how many men you lose, make sure she doesn't get away. Yeah. Which is rough. Yeah. That's a rough thing to say to someone. We just have to remember that this is a fantasy drama. Yeah. Not an action fantasy series. <laughs> so that's why we don't get the best fight choreography. And that's why a lot of things happen off screen. And it's fine because it doesn't, those things don't matter to the storyline. As a person who has only done fight choreography classes for improv uh, and, you know, witnessed a little bit for staged theater. Um, thankfully, I, I was in heels the whole time. So I did not have to actually fight in that show. Um, I did. Different show. Different show, but yeah. <laughs> Different show. But uh, I don't have as much of a problem with the fight choreography. I have more of a problem with the shaky cam, but the shaky cam is there to hide the simpleness of the fight choreography. Because a lot of time you do have to have the actual actor's faces in it, and they don't want these swords getting close to the money. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, and it's also just like padding out the episode with fight choreography, does that really serve the plot that we're trying to tell? Or can we fill in more um, melodrama and more (laughs) twists and turns, which is what the audience and by the audience, I mean us come here to see the action in this one was not physical action. Mm -hmm. There's only one instance of like physical action in this one. And that's when Regina stabs Snow White, which I would like to point out the knife pierced her clothing, but not her skin. Mm -hmm. You can see the slice in her clothing. In yes. that in that scene, I liked that. That's a nice um, little detail. I didn't like that when I looked at the knife; it looked like a retractable knife. I, I called it the letter opener. <laughs> it's like it looked like I could push that blade right into that hilt. It looked like a, it looked like a prop knife. It was there for a good time, not a long time. Yes. <laughs> it also did not look sharp on screen. I was it like, did not. It was a letter opener. Oh, that was going to be a rough death. Oh my god, oh, I was going to get god. infected before she bled out. Yep. Oh. <sighs> uh. So okay. So I I believe that Snow White seeing good in Regina totally makes sense, and I see that if it had been another way, Regina, nah, she wouldn't have. Not in this lifetime. No, not in not this for, lifetime. Not for her own father, and so she's. Wouldn't redeem herself for Henry one, but she's trying so hard to redeem herself for Henry two. Yeah. Um, and it, these scenes and this, these events help to contextualize how everyone reacts when Regina walks into the diner. Yes. At, yes. at the beginning of the episode. And uh, you can tell she's entering with some trepidation. She has to psych herself up to do this. We just talked last episode about how one day maybe they'll invite you for dinner. And so she finally got invited to dinner with the good guys. Yeah. She finally did. And she brought lasagna. And I want to point out that whenever they pan the potluck 
table. Her lasagna is gone. It is empty. The casserole dish is like wiped clean. <laughs> her special lasagna is apparently really good. Her, her lasagna has a whole once upon a time wiki page where every episode it's referenced is mentioned. <laughs> the, the secret <laughs> ingredient is red up. pepper flakes. Red pepper flakes. What's the secret ingredient? Poison. Red pepper flakes. <laughs> Speaking of poison, um, there is the scene that I disliked the most in this is towards the end. We're going to go completely out of order because we're oh, allowed yeah, to do no, that. That's how we do. So poison gets mentioned quite a few times in this <clears throat> because it is something that she did of choice. Um, whenever Emma is convinced by Pongo's memories in the Dreamcatcher, because she saw, you know, Pongo, all we know is that Pongo barked at this Regina when he wouldn't have because yes. he didn't bark at gold. And Archie even said, you know, Regina. So he barked at her. He knew that it wasn't Regina, but that doesn't come through in the visual memories um, whenever he saw. So all we saw was Regina in air quotes, lifting up Archie the same way that she lifted up Snow White whenever Snow let her out of the prison cell. Yes. So that sort of makes sense as to why Snow White reacted so harshly uh, in that because I thought it was a little overboard until I saw that scene. Yeah, um, it's like, oh, 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 she's having a traumatic memory. Yeah, yeah. And then oh, they poof. We don't actually see the death. We see the poof in a dead body. Everybody yeah. poofs. But um, Everybody poofs. Later, so so Emma sees this memory, and they go to confront and arrest Regina again. And I they will get, not let you poison Henry against me. Oh, and the response is, that's an interesting choice of words, because you already did. Ah! Uh, yes. Damn. And... Then she's like, you can't do this. He's my son. And Emma turns around so fiercely. And this is the line I hate most. He's not your son. He's mine. Yep. Because that plays on all of those uh, closed adoption fears that if this person comes back into their life, they're going to realize what a mistake they made and take my child away. This sequence is actually what made me make the realization, make the connection that Emma sees her own journey in Regina and her own path to feeling like she's done enough to have to feel redeemed okay you know her self-doubt because i don't feel like emma is yelling at regina in this scene she's yelling at her past self she's yelling at the the negative qualities she sees in herself and she's yelling at herself and she's mad at herself for believing in someone and being from her perspective tricked yes again yes She's so angry in this moment, and it's, I don't think it's directed at Regina so much as directed at her own internal conflict. Mm-hmm. And, and I thought, like, this is a painful moment in the show, but I think it's one of the best moments of this episode. Okay, and it's we, one of the we moments disagree that, with that. I, I really do. I think it's one of the best moments of the episode. I think it's one of the moments where I start to really see Emma as a character okay. and see her self-doubt. That mm-hmm. she's going to be grappling with for the rest of this season, because this is going to be uh, audience spoiler warning. This is going to be a rough remainder this of the season. For season Emma. is rough. Uh, the gaslighting from her own parents was a lot for me to handle yeah. in this episode. Like they know, they know her. They know that she hasn't. She has this innate ability to be able to tell when people are lying, but they're letting their own past judgment cloud that and not seeing the whole situation with fresh eyes. Emma's right. This evidence is way too easy to find, and it's way too obviously pointed at Regina. Regina's more careful than that. Regina yeah. even says, "If I had done it, you wouldn't have found anything to tie it back to me." She's proven that already. 
Well, especially because oh, she learned her lesson from the broken shovel. She learned her lesson from the broken shovel, and also she has magic now. Yeah, she yeah. has access to her magic now. So it made me it made me real uncomfortable for David to keep David and Snow. I, I call him David and her Snow. I can't call her Mary Margaret. It's too long. Um, David and Snow just constantly like, oh my god, we found this one piece of evidence. Obviously, she did it, and it's like, don't you think that's too obvious for her? And they're they're relying on their past trauma. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that's the plot of this show, right? Everyone reacts according to their past trauma instead of what... I mean, that's life. Uh, makes that's it, yeah, that's... That's yeah. life. It's it's the... Uh, trauma is the, the, the oil that keeps the machine of a drama going. Yeah. And that is... That is this episode. God, I feel like we're heavy this week. Like, well, this episode was kind of heavy. It was it was dark in the fact that the character we have been rooting against, some of us have been rooting against for a long time, um, is finally trying to turn over a new leaf. And suddenly, all the characters that we're supposed to believe in, who only do good, are the ones who are turning her back on the path to vengeance. Yeah, I mean. Keep in mind from their perspective, we have seen that she's wiped out entire villages of people. Yes. That's what I mean. They they know what she is capable of. Yes. Not just in this world. They have seen her murder entire towns. Children, yeah, women, mean, old people, men, their friends. But according to my little my little gay brain, I'm like, yeah, but she looked good doing it. <laughs> She uh, looked really good this episode. Everything uh, is so good. She's my best dress this episode. Oh, and Belle is here too. Oh, and Belle's here. Belle's uh, here to cast more doubt on. Oh, right. Like, like she couldn't do a bad thing. You obviously think it's gold. I mean, they're right. If someone's trying to set up Regina, the first person you go to is gold to see if it's going to be him. Because he's only done it like nine other times. Yeah. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. I mean, even in... Uh, in, in the past, when, when uh, Emma's like, since when are you my friend? Uh, yeah. <laughs> He's like, well, <laughs> well, Derry. I put a loophole in this in land. This, well, in this and, land. And that's him playing chess. He's setting up the chessboard. The grin that she has when oh, yeah. she realizes is so good. So for I'm the like, record. While they are setting up the carriage, she does a whole costume change into her episode one outfit where she goes and taunts them at the wedding. Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. What, she's like, get the carriage ready. We have a wedding to attend. And she's like, "Ooh, what can I wear to this wedding? And she gets that oh, yeah. big old ruff. And <laughs> was that the lace bangs? <laughs> yes. Oh, I love the lace. Let me glue this to my head. Let me glue some lace to my forehead. <laughs> So good. Uh, I so love good. It. Uh, there's some fun imagery in this one. I don't know if it really means anything other than they put it there to be fun. In the very first scene, there, there are two things I noticed. Um, the very first shot is Captain Hook. They're riding in and he's like up on the mast and he grabs a rope and swings down to get off the boat. And I looked on the wiki from that and that is a direct reference to Captain Jack Sparrow. Oh. Yeah. Nice. So that was fun. The other thing I noticed was at the end of that scene where they turn Willie from Stardew into a fish and Hook kicks him into the water, as they pan out, there's a swan swimming next to the dock across the scene. I noticed that. I, I had looked that up, and apparently it is meant to be a reference to the fact that Swan and Hook may become an item later. <sighs> foreshadowing. They've been foreshadowing it since they introduced them. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, it's the um, most heavy handed foreshadowing in this whole show. Because Hook is hot, and I will watch him sharpen the obviously rounded tip of his hook any chance they give me to do so. And I wonder, I wonder if by this point they already knew that um, their two leading women were being shipped, and they were like, "No, no, look how straight she is! Look how straight she is!" <laughs> we gotta create a love interest. That's a pirate. That doesn't mean she's straight. We're gonna get we're gonna get a love interest for Regina next season. I don't remember. I've watched it all. Whenever I re-binged it, um, I was in the, I was in the blur that is the newborn phase. Oh, so yeah. everything just piled together. Um, it's not until I look at the wiki and I go, "Oh, that's the next one." Oh God! Or whenever I watch each episode, and I'm like, "Oh, I hate this section." Um, this isn't my least favorite section. I have a couple other sections that I dislike more, and I'm sure we'll get to them soon. I just don't know if they're this season or not. Yeah, there's a lot this season that frustrates me, but I really like the rest of this season. Like I said before, and I'll say every episode probably. (laughs) I like this um, season. I think it introduces a really cool concept. Mm -hmm. And even though I'm not a big fan of the Korra stuff happening this season, the other stuff is exciting. The Korra stuff is what I'm talking about. The Korra stuff is my least favorite part because... I mean, spoilers, Cora comes and Regina falls straight into her trap, right? Um, right. And Regina has worked so hard. And I understand that from all directions, she's have everyone is just poisoned against her choice of words, um, which she only really has herself to blame for that. But at the same time, Dr. Hopper stood up for her. He knows yep. she's... And that is the question I have. Did Archie say too much about Regina's counseling, even though he was actually trying to help her? Yes. Okay. From my perspective, absolutely. I'm, I was very new to therapy whenever I went through it, so I don't actually know a whole lot of, a, like, I know patient, you know, patient-doctor confidentiality is a thing, but I didn't know how specific it is. It, it Now, given there are some extenuating circumstances, like him getting his PhD from a curse. Um, <laughs> yes. There but he are has those memories. circumstances of she is a superhero essentially super villain yeah you know she's got she's got magic mm-hmm. she's the reason they are there is more of a clear and present danger in mm-hmm. some ways mm-hmm. however archie has been one of the characters who's been in her corner for yeah. a while yeah. in the present and so that's the question that i feel like none of the cast is is asking what does archie see in her what does Archie see in her? But more, why would she kill the person who continuously yes. Yes. roots for her and tells other people to give her a chance? Exactly. The only person who does that other than Archie is Emma begrudgingly because Henry wants it. Yeah. Yes. I don't. I yeah. guess I don't consider and, Henry a character yet because he's a well, child. Henry, he's a no. plot device. Children are plot devices. Henry's wishy-washiness towards his mother, uh, his adoptive mother, who so his mother. Um, still nags at me a bit because the whole first season he was like, Oh no, she's straight up evil. She's straight up evil. And so when they got renewed, his sudden change was like, no wait, she's still my mother. Just, right. I, it, it pissed me off to be quite well, frank. It's also a show. It, it's also, um, it's very, it's very clearly a dynamic shift in the show right. in terms of who they're courting as their audience. Yes. Cause they were trying to recruit a family audience for the first season. Mm-hmm. But as time has gone, <laughs> For the first, uh, yeah, but really? I mean, they were, they were, really? they were airing this prime time. They were trying to, uh, 
I know it seems weird because of, you know, the sexual assault, but yeah. largely they were going for a more family audience, which is why for the most part, uh, sex is implied happens off screen. They were People both wearing shirts. Are fully clothed. Whereas this season we have. They, no, they, she, was Margaret, David, she was in a tank top. Yeah, she was they in a tank top. They were in clothes. <laughs> but yeah, David's not. I thought he was wearing his little undershirt. And just pulled he's the, got no. some. He's got some nice oh, shoulders. He, he was showing off his shoulders. You're right. You're right. They haven't shown us boy nipples um, because this is still ABC. <sighs> this is ABC primetime. We can't show that. But no uh, nipples, never. We did make a full on sex joke uh, during this episode, which is oh, which is yes. I think a sign of how the 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 sh- well this season repeatedly, it, but it's it a sign down. of how the show's demographic has changed. I, I really enjoyed the line from Charming after uh, Henry and Emma walk in on them reuniting, where after Emma's like, she says to Snow, because she still has this confusion. Yes, this is her mother, but this is also her best friend who's her age in this yes, town. And so, so she's like, you could have put a sock or a tie on the door or sent me a text or something. Uh, and and she's like, she's like, I'm going to I'm going to go make some tacos. She walks away and charming charming's best. one of charming's best lines of this whole episode is it's impressive that we can still provide her with traumatic childhood memories at this stage of the game. (laughs) Oh God. It cracks me up. Henry being like, what are you guys still doing in bed? It's the middle of the afternoon. Oh, I was tired and I was helping her sleep. This is also, I mean, this season, Henry is a supporting cast member. Yes. Whereas last season he was a main cast member. We saw Henry, Every episode, he had major points in the plot. Whereas now he's kind of it, the thing that Regina and it's the Regina Emma show. Fight over. It's the Regina yeah. and Emma show. Yes, which makes sense. Which uh, no complaints here. No complaints. I see. And honestly, I think Hook is there because they're like, hold on, people are starting to ship these ladies. It's the thing. Oh, so we want to. Also, we want to. Um, a weird love triangle later to make it real awkward. Uh, it's the. Uh, it's the supernatural effect. Even this though, is, well, I don't know. This show probably ran during Supernatural. Supernatural was on for what, like forty-five seasons? Didn't they just end? Uh, yeah, uh, something gay happened, so they had to send the gay guy to super hell. Um, but throughout that show, there were repeated, you know, shippers who shipped the male cast members together, which was especially was problematic. A, since there was, was an episode about brothers. that. There was yes. an episode about that where they were like, look, like they were in a universe where their stuff was like fantasy fiction, and they're like googling themselves and something about it's like there's this whole thing called slash like what's that it's like it's you and i together as a couple but we're brothers i know that (laughs) it's so weird i've seen that episode i've seen the whole first and second season and then i fell off because life yeah so that show had to keep creating uh women as love interests who would subsequently get kicked off get killed off because the fans hated them um because they were often yeah. poorly written. And also there is a lot of misogyny in that fan base, despite it Ooh. being largely women. Um, <sighs> sometimes the call is why coming are we, from inside the house. Yeah, why are we so bad at this? I don't know. As 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 a as a queer person that is also kind of homophobic, I get it. <laughs> God. Sometimes a gay does something and I'm like, see, this is why we shouldn't have rights. Oh, um, God. I always feel mad whenever I meet so- I read something that's like, and this is why men are the way they are. And I'm like, yes. And then I look at my husband. And I'm like, sorry. <laughs> it's like, sorry, not you. Not you. You're one of the good ones. Oh, that's problematic. Except to sometimes say. when you don't. <laughs> no, he's, he's one of the good ones. Like 
I can't. There's nothing bad I can say about Luther. Just for the record, uh, nothing bad. He's the best. Shane's pretty great. He's yeah. pretty great. Shane is pretty great. Yeah, I think I'm gonna keep him. You should. Have I ever said my husband's name on this show? My husband Shane. <laughs> you may have. I have. I know I have. Yeah. Um, um, hold yeah, on. He's... There was something else I wanted to talk about in this. Uh, no, you keep talking about Shane. I just saw his spiritual ears perk up behind me. <laughs> he, I'm recording in my office, y'all, and uh, I'm, we're recording at a time when my husband is actually home and awake, so he's on his computer behind me with his headphones I'm on. I'm watching him play. Like a... I'm watching him play Final Fantasy right now. The hit MMO from Square Enix that includes the free trial up until level 60. Unless you're me. Unless you pay for the actual game and then, yeah, it's you're screwed. Um, it made me pay for the game. It's I know, it's It's because y'all gifted it, huh? Yeah, we paid for it for you. Ah, uh, fair. Um, oh, so you mentioned before, uh, a couple episodes back, whenever David was stuck in the fire room and yes. they were just trying to get back to each other, that you just want them to not have to search for each other for a while because they will always find their way back. And David gives a very good toast saying just that. It's like, what? It's, it's our whole relationship is based around how we will always find each other. But here's to not having to for a while. Now, that is the thing that gives me a lot of love for this episode. There are some good lines in this. This like I like the writing for this. You know me. I'm a diss the writing uh, as soon as they do something wrong. But I liked the writing for this episode. Can, except can for I, that one line. We but had a liked. hard time picking a quote for this episode. Yes. Because one, we wanted something that was like tied to the episode. And two, there's like some the really good lines. Like I liked I liked David's. Can I can I read it? Can I be self-indulgent? Yes. yes. Um, Mary Margaret and I, we have a saying that we will always find each other. And while I believe that with all my heart, I'd like you all to raise your glasses and join me when I say, here's to not having to look for a while. Yay. It's good. It's a good line in the episode. It has great delivery. I mean, I think the best line and the best speech of the episode is Regina's about to get executed speech. <gasps> yeah. That, oh, that is also a very good speech. Also a very um, good speech. Hang on, I'm gonna look it up. When did when did the episode uh, where I have it open? It's Game of Thrones when um, Peter Dinklage is on trial. Oh God, that's uh, that's a couple seasons in, huh? Yeah, when was that? I I don't know because my that was my Game of Thrones OTP got destroyed. Season four, episode six, I think it is. Okay. That aired in 2014, which means Regina did that speech in 2013 before he got to. And honestly, I liked her delivery yes. better. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. January 6, 2013. <laughs> I mean, it's a good line. It's, That's I, a would, good line. I would have it's killed you line. all. I'm like, damn, girl. <laughs> and Snow White's response to it is fantastic. She's like, I, she didn't want to appeal weak and weak yeah. in her final moments. It sees right through it. Um, there is a great um, uh, Tumblr post and Reddit thread I was reading a while back about how uh, Regina's primary character motivation through the entire series is her own insecurity. Yes. And damn, if this is not a perfect example of that. Mm-hmm. So she, was weak against, she was weak against her mother. And that is part, she blames herself. Like, even though she blames Snow White, it's easier to blame Snow White for Daniel's death. But believing her mother was going to allow them to get married is what killed him. Well, yeah, it's um. I mean, it's, Cora killed him. Let's be fair. It's a uh, kayfabe, kayfabe, 
kayfabe, I think is the way it's pronounced. Um, have you ever watched wrestling? Yes. So, you know, it's, it's, it's very heightened. Yeah. And characters have a very specific and clear persona in wrestling mm-hmm. that they have to have. And honestly, uh, that's, I think, a large part of what Regina has. You know, the title of Evil Queen that she drapes herself in, that's, it's that. It's, it's 100% her it's a, fulfilling it's, a role. And it's she's, a facade. It's a facade, and she's very self-aware. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I enjoy these moments where we have these strong character-driven uh, choices happening. Like, honestly, I think this is a good episode. We had, I do too. With a lot of great moments, despite I do the too. fact that it makes me so upset. It's supposed to make you upset, which to I me know. means it's successful. Uh, there's a very good um, Swan Queen ship scene in here, which is why they had to push the hook thing a little more. Um, it's when Regina tries to uh, Irish goodbye from the party. Uh, Emma notices before Henry doesn't notice, and that's sus. Yeah, Emma notices before Henry. Uh, Henry doesn't even notice. Henry just lets her go. Like yeah. he doesn't even care. Um, oh, he's he's like twelve now. Whatever. Uh, still mad about it. Um, but there's that whole tension of as she's going to leave, Emma jumps out and is like, "Archie made cake. You want to stay for a bit?" And of course, they ruin it by her taking it all back, saying, "Well, I only invited you because Henry wanted it." Which eyebrow waggles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm like, mm-hmm. you didn't have to say that. You didn't. That's why I was like, it got messier than it needed to. You didn't have to say that. In fact, had you not said that, things would have been better. Someone else would have been killed and you'd have been blamed for that death instead. But as Mr. Gold says, she has her mother's chin and her father's tact. (laughs) She's so bad at it. She really got like gold straight up calls her out. It's like, you have your mother's chin, Miss Swan. We know that you killed him and mm. your father's tact. Yes. <laughs> it's true. Yes, absolutely. It's true. It's like those moments of like, oh, wow. And this is why the moments like that are why I think we're so hard on the show sometimes because we know that there is great writing here. Yes. We wouldn't have stuck with this series for as long as we did if we didn't enjoy it. Like um, uh. we're, we're entering into my favorite season uh season three is my favorite um is, is that neverland oh it's my least favorite i know <laughs> i don't know why i like it so much there is a lot of wandering around in Back- the forest that takes too long i mean backstory i grew up my my mom basically writes uh peter pan fanfic yeah and it's it's amazing and she's really good at it uh, <laughs> she has her own universe created it's very good um but so I take, I take a lot of that personally, even though I shouldn't. Has your mom been published yet? And if not, why? No, no. Let's, let's let's peer pressure your mom into self-publishing my on mother, Amazon. My mother wrote two of my favorite children's books about mine and my brother's teddy bears, and she did try to get that one published, and they both got rejected. And that was in the eighties. She should like seriously try again because I, I think she I, like, should try again. You told me some of the stuff about your mom's stories for y'all, and I'm just like, this is so good. And publishing is so much, so much easier to break into now if you can self-publish. Mm-hmm. If you have someone who has the background to handle like doing book layouts, and then you can just publish over to Amazon, and yeah. that can get you picked up by a major publisher because they've seen you know your product out in the wild. My mom's stuff is so good. <laughs> 
then you have to change your name to yeah. a different pen name. I just, sorry, I just found out an author who I read a series by that I really loved wrote another series that I was like, what a weird fucking series. And I found out it's the same author writing <laughs> under two different pen names. Wow. Uh, and it's wild. Uh, one of them is the News Flesh series. Um, so Shannon McGuire has written uh, one of my favorite books of last year. Uh, she wrote Every Heart a Doorway, which is which is really good. But she also wrote um, Middle Game, I think it was what it was called. Ah, I don't know. She's written like 45 books. She's prolific. Um, but she, all, oh yeah, Middle Game, which, great book. But she also wrote the Newsflesh series, which is about a dystopian future where zombies have invaded, but the world is still kind of like okay and all legacy media is wiped out so the zombie apocalypse is told to you from the perspective of bloggers oh wow (laughs) it's weird but it's really fun all right yeah but uh i was like wait so the same person who wrote middle game in every hearted doorway wrote news flesh uh wild 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 Speaking of wild, this is a personal observation. Uh, and uh, when Emma finds her, Emma and Henry walk in on Snow and Charming reuniting, um, I, she's talking to Henry about taco shells and about how they have a ton of tacos to make because there are going to be a ton of people at the diner for the party. And I would just like to point out that her definition of a ton of people is like a fourth of my definition of a small birthday gathering. Her definition of a ton, a ton of people is in keeping with my definition of a ton of people. Um, One whenever, improv troop. <laughs> yeah, like yesterday, uh, we were supposed to hang. I wasn't able to make it. Um, but it was going to be like a whole six of us at Elaine's house. And I was like, that is a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> there were a whole four of us. And we had a good time, but we missed y'all. Oh, yeah. Shane had a good time. We were keeping up with friends. Um, yeah. Oh, and no, me being a full full fledged shut in. Um, I got a lot <laughs> written last night, so it was good. Good. That was where I made the mistake of having two drinks, Ew. and then I was sick all day today from two drinks. I know the feeling. This is this is what happens whenever you stop drinking for a full year due to pregnancy and postpartum stuff, and yeah. then you're like, I can have these two drinks. It's you know. I have nothing to do tonight. And then you pay for it the next day. <laughs> so my garden is very sad because today was supposed to be my gardening day and it was not. And I'm sad about it. Yeah. Today I'm probably going to be pulling an all nighter for some web development. Oh, no. stuff, so eh, that's fine. I didn't sleep super well last night. Um, so I started getting the Soleil, the, which is our store oh, brand. The LaCroix. caffeine one. <laughs> so I started getting the caffeine one and I have, the caffeinated blood orange and the regular blood orange because it's my favorite flavor. So I didn't realize I was drinking the caffeinated ones and I drank like three. How much caffeine's in them? Like 35 milligrams. Same as a soda? Yeah. So I had like three caffeinated things like at 11.30 to one in the morning. And then I was like, why am I so awake? Why am I so awake? Why am I like buzzing? Like, why can't I? I should be like tired right now. And I was like, oh... Oh, I've been grabbing from the wrong side of the fridge. I didn't even look at the can. I just cracked it open. I can't drink caffeine after eight o'clock or else I get restless legs. <laughs> that's that's whenever I knew that I had hit 35 for real was uh, all of a sudden caffeine affected me. 
Mm-hmm. Because I was one of those people where caffeine would put me to sleep because I had undiagnosed ADHD. Um, mm. So I would get a stimulant and I would drink too much of the stimulant and I would, I would have like 10 minutes of a burst and then pass out for the rest of the day. I guess that's how it affects some people sometimes, I guess. Yeah. Uh, calmed me down a lot. Um, but then I hit 35 and suddenly I couldn't sleep if I drank a single cola after 8 p.m. Speaking of undiagnosed ADHD, mm-hmm. it's been a minute since we were talking about the episode we sat to record, um, yeah. but I don't have much left in the way of notes. No, no, we, we, this um, episode was very succinct. There was one thing I wanted to talk about, but God knows what it was. I have one. <laughs> <laughs> Which is when Ruby like walks up to Hopper and um, <gasps> Regina arguing. Yes. And she's like, is there a problem here? I was like, girl, mind your business. Regina first of says, all. Regina says, private conversation. Go take yourself for a walk. I died. That's so good. <laughs> the, and then she also speaks dog inflection because when Pongo comes barking, she's like, he's upset. He's upset. Like, how do you? Oh, oh right. Wolf thing. Right. Yes. Wolf thing. Yeah. Her soft but, punk outfit, her soft punk outfit with like the the leather leggings and the white shirt and the vest and the little mini gloves, like the fingerless gloves. I loved Ruby's diner outfit this episode. So I'm torn on what the best outfit is of this episode. Oh, but for me, um, hello, Willow. If y'all can hear, Willow is rubbing her face on my mic. Hello, Miss Ma'am, Miss Lady. That's a sweet lady. She's, no, she's so bad, not, but she's, she's cute. So she is so bad. She's so bad. I um, love her. I almost got my ears re-pierced the other day because I didn't want her on my shoulder. And so she was going to like fight. Mm-hmm. So she turned and she bit me on my ear with her sharp little teeth hard enough to draw blood. Well, just to tie it back into the episode. Is she bad <laughs> because she's bad or is she bad because you keep telling her that she's bad and she can never change? She's bad. <laughs> She's bad. She's a bad girl, but that's why I love her. <laughs> she's my little. She's my little baby villain. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I think I think we need to. We, we're at that point though. We need to talk this about is, like, yeah. what is what is our best best Regina look for this episode? Because it's Regina this episode. Oh God, like, it's absolutely Regina this episode. Absolutely. Like, yeah, Charmy's armor was good, and Ruby's uh, soft punk outfit was good. But Regina, every single outfit she wore was better than those. I want to give it to Regina's sulking dress, even though it's a very similar cut to the one from last week. Also, yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. The exile dress. That's what I was going to say, too. The exile dress. Who was, I think it was Phantom Fairy who was pointing out that she did get to keep that dress from this episode, which made me so happy. From last episode. Yeah. Yes. The sparkly Uh, one. Fanta Fairy mentions that uh, Lana mentioned that she was gifted the dress after the show in, uh, ended. And oh my God, it's so good. That's so good. She's showing me the back. Of, like she showed a picture, like a detail of the back of the dress. And it's just got these draped um, accents on it. It looks fantastic. I'm going to retweet it uh, yes. from our page so that you all can see what we're talking about. It's such a, it's such a good damn dress. Thank God for Lana stands. Ugh. Thank God. Because they they make our job a little bit easier. Lana stands make the world go round. A lot easier. Uh, Because these are things that I would love to Google, but then I get distracted and forget why I even came in the room. You get distracted. Yeah. (laughs) I also get mom-stracted. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. My child, by the way, must be teething. I don't know. I like... 
someone Phantom Fairy was uh, tweeting her thoughts as she listened to the episode the other day, and she was like, "Oh yeah, Mikathun is uh, comparing her child to Rumpelstiltskin. That's great." And I was like, "I don't remember at all <laughs> what I said about that because <laughs> I don't listen to our episodes because I hate listening to myself speak." <gasps> Speaking of which, I listened to our episode of Rekindled with Jeff and Maggie, which we did last week. Oh, right. Yeah. I'm like, what? What are you we talking about? That. Yeah. The podcast that, you know, that, that really... podcast we were on. <laughs> yes. Um, if you haven't given that one a shot yet, you'll find it in our feed. Go listen to us on Rekindled with Jeff and Maggie. I'd love to have them on for a guest spot on this show. Yes. But they're, they were super fun to be with. And it's a fun episode. If you think we have trouble keeping on track in this show, just wait till there are four of us in a room together. <laughs> wait till there's four of us in a room together. And we're all talking about a book that we finished a month ago. I, I listened to it almost a whole second time right before the episode uh, taped. So I was I was fresh. I was freshened. Oh, I did not. Yeah, you were <laughs> listening to it at like 2.5 speed. Yes. Um, well, no, 1.75 because two was too fast. Oh, my goodness. So how would you rate this episode? I think that the things that made me mad in this episode were intentionally there to make me mad. And that is successful writing and it was successfully done. So I want to give this one uh, four stopped arrows out of five. Okay. You know, I'm going to agree with you. I, wait, did I just like make you come up with a thing? Do I yes, do that to you a lot? You okay. sure did. Oh, snap. Uh, <laughs> hey, hey, I just did the improv thing of giving you a book and saying, hey, read this. You sure did. I'm sorry. That's okay. I I, I rolled with it, didn't I? Yeah. Because I'm a goddamn professional. She's a, <laughs> she's a professional, y'all. Uh, I also want to give this four stopped arrows out of five, which uh, the tension of that was really good. Yes. Like stopping the arrows. So oh, four fun. out of five. Yeah. I mean, not a five out of five because we're harder on this season than we were on the first season because the first season was filled with optimism and wonder. <laughs> also, if anyone knows where to get that caftan that Regina is wearing for like the prison scenes in this episode, oh drop me a link because it looks so cozy. So good. It looks she so looks, cozy. It's about to so be good. warm here in South Louisiana. And mm-hmm. I want something that's thin and flowy to wear around the house. Mm-hmm. Because I cannot Donald Duck it here. I have too many cats. Yeah, and they tell. They take pictures. They put it on TikTok. It's just, no, they it's just n- jump into my lap, and <laughs> it's not. It's not a good experience for anyone involved. <laughs> anyone. Yes. Yeah. Fair. Okay, so uh, I think that about sums it up for uh, everybody. Poofs slash the cricket game, which the also I want to. I want to point out that's a pun. It is a It's pun. a game of cricket. It's a pun. And who who organizes the games of cricket in Wonderland? <gasps> the Queen of Hearts. Hearts. <laughs> we did it. We did it. Okay, well, on that note, thank you so much for joining us. This has been Storybroke. Miserably ever after. This has been Storybroke. Miserably Ever After, a Your Pretty Friend production. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate and review us almost anywhere fine podcasts are downloaded. You can also follow us on Twitter at StoryBrokePod. This episode has been made possible thanks to the love and support of our spouses and listeners like you. Thank Thank you. you.